Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome to the andrea k show she's blonde five foot two and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress here she is andrea k it's friday night Alrighty, well, here's the deal. You know that I'm not Andrea Kay, but this is the Andrea Kay Show here on The Answer San Diego. Happy Friday, everybody. My name is Riley Lewis. I am a producer for Tipping Point with Kara McKinney over at One American News, and I'm so happy to be here filling in for Andrea because she is on a much-needed, deserved, and earned vacation. Okay, she is one of the hardest working people in this industry in, in politics and in journalism and radio you you all know it that's why you tune in and it, she's something of a mentor to me and and we all know that andrea is incredible i can't be her i'm not her i'm gonna do my best okay we're gonna have some fun it's a friday i'm feeling good i hope that you're feeling good it's six o'clock here in beautiful sunny san diego and finally we're done with those gloomy days and we're moving into some sunshine and i'm feeling good about it so we have a lot to talk about um i i know that trump has been saying some stuff now finally and we saw him post on x for the first time ever technically but for the first time in more than two years and it's just really refreshing to see how much this whole mugshot fiasco backfired i think it's really really funny actually because they're trying to humiliate him they they want to have some gotcha moment where they bring the entire maga movement down but newsflash nobody is bringing this movement down we're just getting started we are going to finish the job that the tea party caucus started way back in 2010 and the job and the obligation that the founding fathers gave to us when they said here is a republic take it it's not a spectator sport you have to get involved i know a lot of people don't like getting into the weeds with politics because it can be divisive polarizing i i understand but they're taking their your republic away from you they're 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 confiscating everything that you have and they're telling you to be happy this is what we see in every kind of authoritarian regime certainly within the last century mao zedong pol pot in cambodia lenin stalin you know doesn't matter look Law and order is not just you know up for grabs, and we're not, we're not just losing our criminal justice system because clearly that can be that can be corrupted. Anything can be corrupted, and I guess that's the that's the sobering realization is that America, yes, is different. We're exceptional. We have principles. We have a constitution. We have checks and balances, separation of powers. But you can still get bad actors with bad motivations, and evil is a very real thing. And that's exactly what this is. This is malicious people with malicious intentions who are who are selfishly going after their political opponent while he's in the lead ahead of the election, even though he's done nothing wrong and broken no laws. So we're going to be talking talking a lot about this. Uh, I've got a friend of mine joining me, executive producer for Tipping Point with Karen McKinney over at One American News. Cameron Malstrom, how are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I had such a great time yesterday. I thought I'd swing by and do it all over again today on this beautiful Friday. <laughs> it's it's nice to finally have some some sun, isn't it? It's it is good. Yeah, it's been a little gloomy this year, so I'm excited. Yeah, people say sunny San Diego and it's about time we we live up to that. And look, ultimately 
it's the sunny days. They leave me feeling optimistic. I am hopeful about the future of this country, but I do want to hear from the man himself, the man of the hour, because Donald Trump is so good at handling pressure and so good at handling the heat. And this guy is laughing and he's smiling. And then he sits down for an epic mugshot that just drove his socials like this, this is this is incredible stuff we got people you know showing all the the footage or the pictures of people like martin luther king when he was arrested and it's like this is this is actually we shall overcome we we shall the the in his in martin luther king's words the long arc of history does hopefully bend toward justice and that's what we have to do we have to push back against the deep state they can't just take our republic away from us and expect us to do nothing about it i I don't know what it looks like but certainly we need to be talking about voting and and supporting trump because it feels like the u.s is turning into the ussr and i don't know what to do about it other than number one vote talk get your friends active we need to mobilize the base and i think that trump is the person to to mobilize around and i do want to hear him we have we have a an interesting statement for him i, I just think that he's so well spoken so dj potato skins if we could please play clip one day for america this should never happen if you challenge an election you should be able to challenge an election i thought the election was a rigged election a stolen election and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you can have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you very much. What do you think the American people are thinking right now? Do you think the average voter sort of sees what's going on here, or or do you think that there are people who are really siding with the Biden administration, with the DOJ, with with Fannie Willis? Like, where, where do you think the the average American voter is right about now? You know, it's hard to say. I don't want to speak for everybody, but for me, I think uh, when when I when I see this this clip, when I just see Trump's resilience to this whole situation i'm just left in awe because if i if this happened to any other person anybody else would have thrown in the towel by now even if they had the same convictions and the same america first agenda and they really stuck by it for the most part four indictments the attacks relentlessly just one after another it never ever stops and you know trump's like what he's 74 or something like that mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. he's not young and the amount of energy this man has to endure this Go around the country from indictment to indictment and just keep on going and never stopping the fight is just amazing to me. And I think that's going to seep through to people. I think people are going to see that and realize that he's doing this for the right purposes. He's in this race for the country. He doesn't, he never needed any of this. He could have stayed back in Mar a Lago this whole time with Melania and uh, just avoided the whole situation, but he doesn't. He doesn't 
want to give up on this country and i appreciate that so much it and it gives you hope it does i mean it's it's a really nice thing to see because at the same time the the, the current you know i don't want to call him the the commander-in-chief the current resident in the white house right now is is having his friends at the doj pull strings to keep people like david weiss from bringing charges against his own son so i think that it's just so telling the contrast right now between somebody who's being persecuted for having done nothing but posing a threat to the current regime the current administration which is also constantly you know bending the law planting people the doj doing anything possible to keep hunter biden from being charged and we talked about it last night with the plea deal just completely falling apart i'm not sure what's going to happen in that case i don't know if you i mean do you believe hunter biden is going to face some serious charges because it seemed like he was willing to plead guilty when he was going to get the protection of basically lifetime immunity but when the judge saw that she tossed it out because that's completely ridiculous and it's unprecedented no matter what hunter biden's legal team was saying so i don't know if he's ever going to see the inside of a jail cell or if he's ever going to actually pay or have to repent for the crimes that he's committed whether we're talking about the burisma bribes or stuff with the cefc chinese energy company there's just so much there i mean i he may or may not have, but probably did leave cocaine in the White House. And, there, and nobody bats an eye. And they say, we can't determine who the culprit was, even though it's highly the surveilled. Most secure building yeah. in the world, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, he's not going to face any real justice. I, I think probably the most likely thing is going to happen is, you know, Mary Garland's going to give him a little slap on the wrist here and there to keep up this illusion like they have some sort of impartiality to this whole situation. And then they're going to try to get Trump in prison for the rest of his life and probably hang him and then gallows. But, uh, yeah, no, nothing's going to happen. I mean, we're like four or five minutes maybe away. I I don't want to hyperbolize, but we're, it feels like we're going down the road again to the USSR. I I would not be surprised if we start throwing political prisoners into gulags. I, I would really not be surprised. It sounds crazy. It sounds like I am off my rocker. I understand that. But think of where we were 10 years ago and now look at where we are now, just in a few years, in a decade. They've been going after Trump really mostly in the last few years. And it's like, this is all happening very, very quickly. And it's a really slippery slope. So I I don't know about you, but I could foresee a situation where somebody can't open a bank account because they're a known conservative or a Trump supporter or an America first guy or they're Catholic or they're Christian or whatever it is. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we're there. Do you feel the persecution everywhere we go these days? You know, I I came from Portland, Oregon. That's embarrassing to admit. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, when I'm up there, I I have my uh, Trump stickers there on my car all the time and have my windows smashed out more times than I can count. Are you serious? Yeah, the persecution is real, man. I had a, like, I'm on a news report about it. I can show you the video. Are you serious? Yeah, it's it's actually very funny. Um, But yeah, I had windows smashed out, my car keyed, I had tires slashed just for, really? ha- just for having a Trump sticker back in 2015, 16. It, the, the derangement level up there is just unreal, and it's seeping out to more places than just Portland now. I mean, see, luckily, San Diego's not too bad, but um, yeah, it's it's bad. No, San, San Diego's great, but for someone who's worked on campaigns around here, even you, you got to wonder. I, I don't understand how, how people look at this kind of a situation and, and justify it. I really don't understand it. And I would like to think, I don't want to speak on behalf of the average voter, but I'd like to think there's a critical mass of people who see that this is at, at, you know, a best case 
concerning worst case that like they hopefully see that this is actual persecution but you look at these polls and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of support for this and it feels like again you look at the timeline every single time hunter biden finds himself in hot water there's another indictment that comes out against donald trump and you can see very very clearly look at the timeline the very next day after hunter biden finds himself in hot water the very day after his plea deal falls apart in court donald trump gets indicted once again like clockwork so I don't know what exactly that means, but we're going to be talking about this DOJ because Merrick Garland is a real piece of work, and he's he's putting the screws to the average American in every single way that he physically can. And again, this is somebody who said that Antifa is just an idea. He wants to downplay all of the violence happening in Portland right during 2020 when every single night for four months straight you had Antifa rioters in the streets lighting fireworks, throwing Molotov cocktails at buildings, beating journalists like andy knows so bad that they gave him permanent brain damage this is what the left is doing to this country so i i I don't understand what the justification is i don't understand how leftists can spin this and frame this and and you know rest assured that this is all just the justice system working because we've completely lost this idea of innocent until proven guilty free and fair trial jury of your peers impartial judge like that that has all gone out the window well let's just uh take a step back though and appreciate one good thing that he's not a supreme court justice so we have one (laughs) thing to thank mitch for so not a whole lot we can thank him for but at least we can give that to him because you know say what you will about anything else but uh one of the greatest things one of the greatest lasting legacies about trump is the supreme court that he is rightly fixed uh and we're getting huge victories that are going to last for a long time because yeah we are and we're going to talk about some of the ramifications of that and we're going to talk about you know more with trump and tucker last night because we got a lot to cover especially with the doj so please this is the andrea k show on the answer san diego am 1170 we will be right back Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Hey, hey, everybody. Happy, happy Friday. I love Fridays so much. Uh, it's just so nice to be coming into a San Diego weekend. It's a special thing. Southern California is such a beautiful place, and, and it pains me to see what they're doing to the state, you know, the radical left. And the same thing at the at the federal level it pains me to see what is happening to this country and it's like all of those things all of the sacrifices and the hard work that we inherited that our that our ancestors made so that we could have a good life and live in a free country with a government that protects our rights and governs at our consent it's like all everything that they worked for is just going right out the window and it's happening really really quickly and one of the architects behind this because it's not just joe biden himself this is a generational multi-administration problem that's been boiling for a long long time we didn't get here overnight and you, you you see the roots of it going all the way back to the riots in 2020 but the 90s the 80s 70s so this is a, a long time coming but Merrick Garland is certainly an interesting figure in this and I almost wonder if he just is so upset about not being appointed to the Supreme Court that he's basically uh <laughs> taking it out on the American people and I mean what do you think come on 
He's got vengeance, yeah. yeah he's it's like he's got a personal vendetta against the, the law-abiding average American voter, the working-class Joe, the, the kind of person that Joe Biden says he's supposed to be representing. It's It feels like he doesn't look at us as all one country, as Americans who are, who are innocent until proven guilty and inherently good people. He's got a list, probably a long list of people that he wants to go after, and for some reason— Elon Musk seems to be on that list because there's a bogus lawsuit coming out of the DOJ right now. I don't know. I feel like the Biden administration has had beef with Elon for a lot of reasons for a long time, and it probably has to do with the fact that he bought Twitter, and that's a big platform for for controlling the narrative. I, I don't know. I, I see a lot of different factors coming into play here, but this lawsuit accuses SpaceX, his rocket and satellite company, of discriminating against asylum recipients and refugees and hiring practices from about September of 2018 to May of 2022, and they say it absolutely was because these folks did not have their citizenship status. Here's the thing. First, and because I want to hear your take on it, first of all, We should be trying to hire American citizens with American jobs. Isn't that supposed to be your like that? That's I mean, obviously, for a lot of complicated legal reasons, that's what business owners have to be doing. Citizenship, whether you like it or not, is kind of a big deal for political reasons, for legal reasons, for all sorts of reasons. And talk to anybody who's ever been a business owner. That is a big deal. It can get you in trouble with the law. So Elon Musk is basically being sued for complying with with the law. (laughs) That's that's in my opinion. That's what seems to be happening. But they say he's violating this Immigration and Nationality Act. I don't know. I want to get your take, but I'll just say maybe and again this is going to sound a little spicy or a little a, a little spicy for you but i i think it's it's an important point because people think that this discrimination word is the dirty word that can be used like a club to beat your opponents into submission but here's the thing obviously when you're hiring for one job or for two or three jobs and you have hundreds if not thousands of applicants you're going to have to discriminate That is a fact. Talk to anybody who regularly interviews people. You've got a long list of people that want your job because it's a cool company to work for, probably, and there's a lot of interesting things going on. And as a business owner, he has to sit down and decide, well, him or his hiring managers or, you know, these uh, project engineers or whoever is running these, these divisions of SpaceX, they have to decide we need to narrow down the list of candidates and get to people who are really serious. And sometimes that means they're going to they're going to look at a lot of factors, but citizenship is one of those factors. So not only is he, in my opinion, doing the right thing because he's trying to give American jobs to American citizens, people who were born here, people who've been paying into the system, people whose families and parents have been paying into the system. At the same time, though, uh, he, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. And even if he is discriminating, which it, in some sense he is philosophically, it's not a racial thing. It's not it's it's not an attack on people who are seeking asylum. He's making a logical decision about who he's going to hire. And again, people discriminate in their lives. That, that's a, a reasonable, rational thing to do. You only have so many jobs to hand out. Or to give, you have a lot of people who are coming in, a lot of demand, low supply. That's the name of the game, especially in the business world, for hiring managers. So I don't even understand why this lawsuit is – I just – what do you what do you think, Cameron? Wait, so you're telling me there's not a huge plethora of rocket scientists, refugees coming into this country from these third world countries? I don't get it. <laughs> like, where, where are they trying to find these people? That's a good question. That, that, that I, I don't know. I mean, DJ Potato Skins. What, do you think that the the rocket scientists are coming to us from from uh, outside of the country generally? Or I mean, and what's going on here with this with this lawsuit? I, 
Look, well, it's like you and I, we, we all talked about during the show. I mean, they've almost, when you're trying to hire a specific type of person, which is going to further your company to the best of whatever you're trying to stand for and make sure that you're hiring the type of people, Americans, that you, that you want to, that you want to be able to do that. Absolutely. And it's, we take care of our own first. This is what it means to be America first. I know a lot of people, particularly on the left, they sort of look down at that and they Mm -hmm. think that it's, you know, something that's only reserved for people who are uneducated and just don't understand the vicissitudes and complexities of being some fancy, educated urbanite or whatever. But look, America first is very simple. It means that we take care of our own. Charity starts at home. You feed yourself, you feed your family before you go feed the needy. Feeding the needy is great, and obviously you do that when you can, but you're needy too. We have needs, and there's nothing wrong. In fact, there's it's an incredible thing. It's People want to come to America because of that attitude. That There's a reason so many people are trying to seek asylum in the United States. There's a reason so many people want to take refuge in the United States, and not in Canada or Mexico, where we tell them to wait or in other countries in Western liberal progressive Europe like France and the Netherlands, right? There's a reason people are fighting tooth and nail to get jobs in the United States of America because baseline, this is still an incredible country. It's a remarkable place. It's exceptional. And you're going to have a lot more opportunity, when, whether whether it's you know education, economic mobility, just safety for your family. You're going to have a lot more opportunity and access to things that lead to a good life. Uh, this is what we're trying to do. And, and that's the people whole. People shouldn't get it twisted also, Riley, because, yeah, there's a lot of discrimination that goes on throughout the world. Some of it right here in America. Not OK. But that's not what yeah. we're talking about. We're talking about a company's ability to be able to hire the type of people that it wants to hire in order to give it the best success possible. Absolutely. And we're also talking about, you know, because on that similar theme, this is a multi-factor analysis. What they're trying to prove is that they automatically looked at people or discouraged people who were asylees or refugees from applying. And I, I, we'll see what kind of evidence they're going to try to enter into discovery. But number one, he's trying to run a company and, and he's trying to do it lawfully. And like we're talking about, he's going to have to have some discerning factors. They're going to have to narrow down the pool because there's a lot of demand to work for him. There's a lot of demand for these jobs, but there's only so much supply. It's finite. And there's nothing wrong with looking at the candidate pool. That's what you have to do. You have to look at everybody that's applying and say, who's going to move the needle for us? That's what you look at companies like Amazon and Netflix. That's the baseline interview question. How are you as a candidate going to move the needle? How are you going to take us from zero to one well you know it's 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 obvious why they're going after him now i mean now that he's opened up x to president trump again and now that he's posting again for the first time in over two years and they're scared of this this huge mass this media machine that uh, has been in their control for the last several years they've been able to manipulate the public through a COVID hysteria through one thing or another you name it suppress any story that's positive to trump now that that's outside of their control and they can't handle that they're petrified so of course they're gonna have to go over him oh and because because telling the truth in a time of propaganda is an act of revolution really it's an act of war so anyway folks this is the andrea k show on the answer san diego am 1170 please joining us back when we come back from the break we've got some very very interesting discussion for you a regular guest you know him and you love him so please stay tuned we will be right back you're listening to somebody who tells it like it is Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. 
I just love it. It's Friday. I just can't believe it. This is amazing. Look, uh, we have a very, very special guest. Bob Walters is going to be joining us. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to him. I'm sure he's got a lot for us. There's a lot going on. Uh, it's been a pretty busy week. I don't know about you, but... It's been a very, very busy week for me. I'm, I'm working around the clock, just glued to the news. I just can't believe what's going on, and I can't believe this is happening in America. So that brings me, though, to, to someone who, who is a, a nice light and someone who's going who's gonna, to you know bring some interesting flavor to the conversation. So Mr. Bob Walters, you know him, you love him. Bob, thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it. That's good. I've got some good news to start with. Oh, great. I'd love to hear some good news, please. <laughs> okay. Number one, the, the public is beginning to understand that government schools are harmful. Several California districts rebelled against the union and the Democratic Party. These districts have agreed to notify parents of transgender tendencies as seen in kids and to kill CRT, transsex education, and so forth. This includes Chino, Chino Valley, Orange, Temecula, and Murrieta. But now the Democrats promise a, law, a new law which would put in jail any parent who raises an objection or bad comment to the Board of Education. More on that in, in a minute. All right. Next, you got Placentia, Yorba Linda School District, has withdrawn from the California School Board Association and will, ta- will retain their $30,000 a year dues to this union-dominated organization, which has pushed for social justice and liberal curriculum and does no- nothing constructive. Next, Hoover Institute, Institute reports huge gains by charter schools, which is good news. In disadvantaged areas, they found they added 16 days of reading time growth and six days of math compared to the public schools in a 180-day school year. That's really good news. Why, what, what, but just tell us a little bit why. Like, just clue me in here because I hear a lot about charter schools. I know Newsom's really gone after charter schools and tried to eliminate them with several different bills. So, could you just illuminate this a little bit for me? Well, yeah. It's, it's, the, the, public, the public school teachers try to do everything they can to eliminate or cut down charter schools. Charter schools are paid for by the state of California, and they're authorized uh, by local parent uh, request and by school district approval. And if the school district disapproves them, then you can go to the state uh, department of education, which is controlled by conservatives, and get and get included on the roster. The problem is the the battle with the teachers union continues. But so far, the charter schools have survived, and they've done a pretty good job so far. I just want these teachers unions, though. It feels like they kind of have a vice grip over the direction of education, and they have this this very clear plan where they're sort of in bed with a lot of California state politicians. And they're they're I don't know if it's on both sides or not, but it seems like the the teachers unions have so much control over the curriculum, over the programming, over the scheduling, over how we do education. And I'd like to personally see more options for parents because there's so many different ways to learn, and I, I just feel like kids sit in the classroom all day long and we don't ask them if they're interested in this this stuff or or what it is and even then how how productive are these are these schools i I mean if we're talking about you know uh, indoctrination instead of education like how do we how do we get around that how do we how do we get the indoctrination out of out of public school districts especially now that they're putting the squeeze on these parents anybody who has a criticism is all of a sudden a danger or a risk to the school district yeah (laughs) i agree well what you do is you take control of the school boards. We need to bring more. There's 270 offices seats that were open last election, and we only ran 13 conservative candidates against the 274 liberals 
who control the school district. Why don't we run we more candidates? We need to right, got to have more people, parents and, and concerned citizens, take control of school boards, which is what happened in these districts I talked about at the beginning of the show. That is what happened. And they've done, they stood their grounds, and, and uh, so far, so good. But the teachers' union believes parents should have nothing to do at all with education. It's, it's, those kids are really their kids. That's how they see them. It's so weird, though, because you're so right. And I just I, here's what I don't understand is I don't know if they're trying to undermine the family unit or, or what it is or if it's a personal vendetta against parents. But maybe you could explain this to me. What, what is the whole why is it so controversial to think parents who pay taxes, which pay for these schools, should have some input into what their kids are learning or have some oversight about what their kids are actually going through in the schools. I, I don't understand why we have to shroud the education process in complete mystery. It's all smoke and mirrors. Why, why is that? Well, let's, let's be honest. What you've got in terms of the leaders of the school union, teachers union, they are Marxists. And the Marxists believe we should do away with the family. We should do away with male and female sex. We need to have sexual education. We need to take these kids and control them and build their liberal outlook on the world, including uh, social resistance where they can. And it's, it's a shame because you got the, the leaders of the teachers union are Marxists. They say they are, and they are Marxists. Well, it's a shame, and it's also you're moving from education to indoctrination. That's that. There's a difference yep. between, and I get it. Education is inherently political because you are going to be shaping somebody's broader worldview. It, the history lessons that you give them are going to shape their broader worldview. That the things that you expose them to in the classroom, intellectually, spiritually, outside of the classroom, it's a whole thing. But there's this idea that learning only happens in the classroom, and it happens away from the family, where these educators can get alone in the room with kids and basically have free reign and they don't want to be held accountable they don't want to be transparent with the parents i i i wonder are we going to reach a place where more parents are going to start standing up because it feels like we're getting to a place where there's some more momentum does it feel like that to you does it feel like there is there, there is more momentum nationwide yes it's it's a it's a big big hill to climb but it's 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 beginning to rise up the parents well, have had enough yeah, they have, but and it's not just momentum; it's direction. So, uh, tell tell us more. What what should parents be doing if you've got kids in school? And as I saw this actually as a public school tutor at different schools here in San Diego through the AVID program. There's a whole lot of indoctrinating going on in the classroom. There's a whole lot of revisionist history. There's a whole lot of Howard's in. There's a whole lot of leftist spin. And I'm wondering what can regular people do to start combating this? What what can regular people do to start moving the needle and bringing about real change, getting back to solid education, getting back to a classical education, the kind of education that our founding fathers had. Well, one of the things I pushed for last year, which failed, was to have school choice initiative on the ballot, and which would give money from the state to parents to decide uh, so much money. They can take their kids to private school, public school, religious school, and and, and public schools they want. But here, here's what... Look, school choice... Back on the teachers' union control. It's, look, it sounds nice, and maybe you could clue me in here because I, I don't understand exactly how it would work. I mean, the way I understand it, very surface level, is that we all live in school districts, and you can go to a private school anywhere, or you can go to a public school within your district. So, how does this whole school choice thing work practically? Well, it gives every pa- every family sixteen thousand dollars a year for each of their kids. They wow! Can pay any private pro- private public school they want to uh, homeschool. They can do whatever they want with the money, and whatever's left each year, 
accrues to the co- kid's college fund when he gets out of high school. Really, sixteen thousand yeah, dollars for? Let me tell you why. It, let me tell you why it failed. The groups that were opposed to this really hurt us. Homeschoolers Association was opposed to it. The Catholic Church was opposed to it, and the charter school organization was opposed to it. I have no idea why. Why? To help us rewrite the rewrite the initiative so we can try it again and have your support. Yeah, I, all I, of these groups totally opposed it. They didn't want it. What, do you think it's just a sort of a selfish play? I mean, I, I think well, it's funny it's that the Catholic Church is up in there. And... It's a false belief that with government money goes government control. And that's that's probably accurate, but you can. this is a constitutional amendment. You can write the amendment so that they're forbidden to do anything to change curriculum or rules or provisions of parents and private schools operating their, their systems. I see. Okay. I mean, well, to be fair, you could see why people would be sort of skeptical, right? I mean, and any, anytime the government gets involved, you could see why people would be skeptical, especially if you're already inclined to be homeschooling. Like, I, I don't agree with that necessarily, but you could see why. You could understand it, right? I do. And I, I encourage everyone to read my book, Education or Indoctrination, on Amazon. It's 200, 280 pages, and I cover the history, how it got there, and what we can do about it to stop it. So how did how did we just get here? I I, I don't understand w- what's going on. And by the way, everybody, Bob is going to be on for two segments tonight. So we are going to be coming into a break in a minute. And I want to make sure that everybody sticks around because you are on the Answer San Diego. I think this is a great time to pause. So again, this is Bob Walters joining us on the Answer San Diego on the Andrea K Show. We will be right back. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on the Answer San Diego. All right, everybody, we're back, and Bob Walters is with us, and we've been talking a lot. Uh, You should go check out his book on Amazon, because I'm sure he's got a very, very interesting story to tell for you, to tell you, and really, again, the whole whole takeaway here is that it's going to take action. It really does take a village, and we all have some sense of duty here as citizens to get involved in this process, and and Bob, I I do want to ask you just a little bit, because I I feel like I started, I, I, I was in school during this transition, this sort of transition from a real decent education to the indoctrination. I remember seeing all the sort of Che Guevara posters just starting to go up around the high school, and I remember to hear some of the talk about restorative justice and some of these other buzzwords and DEI, but it was still pretty fringe, and and now it's just mainstreamed into society. So can you tell us how it got mainstreamed into the classroom? Well, it's because the colleges... Chaining the teachers who became teachers for the kindergarten to high school, where they indoctrinated them to be socialists, to not teach math. Math is racist. You shouldn't teach math. And you don't need English. You just need to teach them socialist viewpoints, kill religion, kill Pledge of Allegiance, and just indoctrinate the kids the best you can. And so hundreds and thousands of kids, of teachers graduated in the 60s and took over the high schools by 70, 75. And that's what happened. And, and that's now we got to get rid of them. And it's yeah. been very effective, Bob. And I gotta, I just, I, I want to ask. I, I want to see if you've maybe you've got this data. Maybe you can you can enlighten me here a little bit. We, we look at the the nation's report card, and we look at just the, the, this 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 huge problem with the fact that there are 
entire school districts that can't produce a single student that can read, write, or do math at grade level. So tell us a little bit about California. How are we doing in terms of our education output? Are we are we producing kids that are very, very smart and doing well and going off to college and getting good paying jobs and starting families? Or, or really, what is the sort of scope when it comes to the, uh, the, you know, telos of the California education system? Are we really doing a good job of actually educating people? Overall, the in California, the achievement levels uh, dropped from. We California used to be number five in terms of achievement level between all the states. Now wow. we're number forty-seven. We're, we're near the bottom, How? and and actually that's that would even be worse. Except you got twenty percent of the school's kids are in private and homeschool and are getting good education. Or it'd be even worse than what that report says. I just can't believe it. And it's funny, though, because so many of these politicians, I, I want to get your take on this, but there's so many politicians who sit there and tout public schools and say that the K through 12 public education system and the curriculum behind it is so solid that it's untouchable. It's remarkable. It doesn't need to be changed. But then those politicians send their kids to private schools. What, so what is this just cognitive dissonance? Is, is this a classic case of playing the people? Are we just getting played? You're getting played. Absolutely. It's, it's infuriating. And, uh, it's, it's sad and pathetic. But, but we, we are beginning to turn the tide on it. That's why I give these reports so the parents in various parts of the country and California can understand where maybe they could check something out and maybe get something more active or look for other options for their kids to get involved with. Are there certain... I, I want to know about some of the, the schools that are sort of pushing back right here, even in San Diego Cal- County and even in, in Southern California, because there are some schools that are starting to fight back, at least on some fronts. When we start talking about certain social issues, certain moral issues, could you talk to us just a little bit about that, especially with like, I don't know, say Temecula or some schools in Orange County and San Diego? Is this just yeah, like you were saying about in, in brave those, school board in, members? In or districts, In school districts like Orange and Temecula and Marietta? The conservatives went to polls and they won the election and they got rid of all the liberals who had been managing the school district. They got rid of all of them. So there's a way. So that's that's the key. And, and, and it that, is. I mean, we've only done about five school districts out of a couple of hundred, but uh, at least we're on the path. We're on the road. Small wins build momentum. That's the thing. And, and so I, I hope that can inspire. Do you think it's going to inspire other other parents to mobilize in other places, especially in the more radical parts of the state, like Berkeley and Oakland and San Francisco and Los Angeles Unified. Like, do you do you see this? Do you do you see San Diego sort of setting up a template for people and saying, "Hey, th- this is how you do it. This is how you fight back." Yeah, it is. It's beginning to rise up from the ashes. It really has. It's a shame that we had our eyes closed in the '60s and '70s and '80s, and now with the pandemic, parents got to see firsthand how little their kids were being educated when they sat at home for two years and, and they they got to watch what kind of education they were getting. Oh, and it was so that's bad. Gonna open, it, that's going to that's gonna awaken the parents. And it was, it was, it was really interesting too. Cause you, you, you're talking to these kids and they're seeing their teachers remotely once a week for for a year, a year and a half. And now we're hearing talks about certain colleges. There's this college in Atlanta that's going to start doing mask mandates again, I guess. At least that's what's being reported. Do you think that we're going to have another school closure debate? Or if that kind of conversation comes up again, do you think parents are going to quash the idea of school closures or, or mask mandates? I, I, think, I think they are going to resist it because the pandemic never really affected kids in the kindergarten and fifth grade and eighth grade, they weren't the ones getting it. The ones that were in danger were the elderly people. Yep. They didn't need to close the schools down. 
but it was a teacher's union. He demanded the schools close, and they wanted bonuses to even teach remote. In an illogical it was world. A rip-off by the teacher's union. Yeah. No, yeah, and it's that's the thing. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the teachers' union, and I'm, I see what they did during COVID, and the fact that they were basically, you know, in, in places like Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, they were basically running the public policies that were going on. They, they, if the teachers didn't want to go back, and the union said we're not going to go back, then they just decided not to go back. I don't know how you get around that. Is there any end around with these teachers' unions? Because I don't know how else you can get leverage on them or or take back some of the power. I mean, how can we reclaim this battle? ground from some of these really entrenched, way too powerful unions who have deep, deep pockets and can fight parents and will happily do so because, like you said, they're politically motivated to do so. Well, they're tied to the Democratic Party. But I will tell you that uh, the, the Supreme Court recently had a ruling that teachers do not have to pay their dues if there's they, they don't have to pay the part that's contributed to political causes. Really? They really cut a hole in the, t- in the teachers' union. Really? Get millions of dollars out. Yes, that happened two, three years ago. Really? Yep. That's interesting. That's very. I mean, do you think that's going to make a big difference? I don't know it has if made a big difference. Okay. It has made a big difference. How so? How? Well, if if, if, the, if the teachers union can't give millions of dollars to the Democrat candidates running, who are the ones that print the laws, <clears throat> like this new law they're getting ready to pass, is going to require um, any. Any parent who, can, who complains to the school board, or in letter or verbal, uh, about what they're doing or tries to complain to the school board, they can be fined up to $1,000 and put in jail for one year on the first offense. You can be put into jail on the first offense for going up against your Correct. school board? Yep, and that's, uh, that's to do with a new bill called uh, SB Bill, Senate Bill 596. Really? Parents should always make a note of that and make start making calls and contact your state legislators and tell them to kill SB five ninety six. Yeah. So, so what can we? Yeah. So, how how do we fight back against that? You we call local elected officials. Is, is there anything else yeah. that we can really do besides? Because I I don't know if I trust my local yeah. elected officials. I mean, I, I don't trust the certain yeah. congressmen like you know Mike Levin and Katie Porter here in Southern California. How, how do we get around well, this? The other thing, the other thing is to, to elect conservative assemblymen and senators. But right now, the only thing you can do is to try to overwhelm the liberal Democrats in some sense so they can steal the bill and not allow it to pass. I don't know. Yeah. Look, and, and it's and it's a hopeful thing. And again, could you just, because we're coming down to the last minute here, and I'm wondering, where can people find your book again? Could you give us the title and, and, and please just plug that a little bit? Because I, I want people to read up about this. Knowledge is power and knowing about this kind of stuff is the first start. So where can people find your book? Where can they, they find your work? It's, it's on Amazon, and it's... Uh, uh, education or indoctrination by Bob Walters. Absolutely. Mr. Walters, we, we just love having you here, Bob. It, thank you so much for making some time on this wonderful Friday and giving us some good news because it sounds like people are actually, you know, uh, rising to the challenge and, and parents are getting more involved. And maybe it's a, it's a, you know, slow incremental change, but at least it's a, a step in the right direction, right? Well, yeah. Like there's, there's a new development going on in, in homeschooling. It's called micro schools. That's where parents collect themselves in their neighborhood and maybe have five or six parents teaching collectively a, a micro school in a church down the street rather My, than in the homes. Micro schools. You just got to love it. It's called micro schools. Bob. And people should check out wethekids.us. It's a great organization. Absolutely. wethekids.us. 
Bob. Thank you so much. That's Bob Walters, our education contributor here for the Andrea K Show. We are coming into the second hour in a minute, so please stay right there. We will be right back. Right. Right.